I'm Paul Wiegraf, Director of the Delaware Division of the Arts and your host for today. Joining me in the studio today is a retired discovery research scientist whose background is in biopharmaceuticals, Paul Simon. Welcome, Paul. Hello. It's great to have you joining us here. I'm sure our listeners are wondering, why would I have a biopharmaceutical research scientist in the studio? But there's an incredibly powerful connection to what you are currently doing in the arts. And my understanding is you've, you've been involved in the arts for many, many years uh, in parallel to being a research scientist. But you also share an experience that we've we've talked about on the air before, and that's the, uh, the immigrant experience. Uh, Paul, if you could give a little bit of background about uh, about you, where you're from, what brought you to the United States, and how you got involved in uh, the scientific research that you were involved in during your career. Sure. Um, well, as you said, I, I came here to the United States when I was 15. By that time, um, I had lived in several countries. I was born in Romania, and my family emigrated from Romania to Israel, and then from Israel to Colombia in South America, and then finally to the United States uh, in 1966. Um, I went to college in New York City. I went to graduate school in Syracuse, New York, where I became a biologist. Um, I did postdoctoral research, and eventually I was hired by DuPont, where I worked for nine years uh, in the field of uh, what's called today immuno-oncology, which is a pretty hot area these days. At that time, it was still in its youth. Um, I worked at DuPont for nine years, then I worked at a number of small companies in the greater Philadelphia area until I retired from one of them about a year and a half ago. Um, in college, I was a biologist. As I say, I had a career in biopharmaceutical discovery research. I had, I'd say, dabbled in various forms of art along the way. Uh, I've always had some ability. I would take a course in a night class or in, in a college or someplace and then work at my artwork for a while and then drop it for, for years at a time. So I was really a, more of a dabbler. Um, finally, on retirement, I had a chance to do it a little bit more consistently. And as it happened, I was involved with Jewish Family Services, volunteering on a couple of their programs. And uh, some of the people that I was involved with that were clients of the program, and I can go into more detail on that, um, they're all elderly and they have interesting, almost all of them are elderly and they have very interesting faces and it kind of revived my interest in portraiture. And so I've been doing pastel portraits of mostly the clients of the Jewish Family Services Brandywine Village Network program for the last year, year and a half. And that work and that combination of being a volunteer and uh, artist now uh, has has led to a show that's uh, opening tomorrow on open November 3rd uh, of about a dozen of my portraits of these clients of uh, Jewish Family Services at the Blue Street Gallery in Wilmington and a parallel smaller exhibit at Temple Beth Emmeth um, 
where there's a little bit more emphasis on the refugee program that Jewish Family Services uh, provides. Um, the main activity that I've been involved with, other than the refugees with Jewish Family Services, the Brandywine Village Network, provides transportation, shopping, other functional uh, assistance to people that are still living independently but are impaired or too old or incapacitated in some way. Um, so it gives me the opportunity to meet a lot of very interesting people, interesting as people, interesting as subjects, and it has resulted in a number of pretty interesting portraits that um, are the occasion of this discussion. Now, it's it, it just a fascinating career and, and post-career work that you're doing. Uh, I was doing some reading beforehand, and, and Basha Silverman, the, the uh, CEO at Jewish Family Services, speaks very highly of you as, as a volunteer there. Uh, going back to your, your background in, in science and your, your work as an artist, I, I'm curious, do you see, uh, how did you... Uh, relate those two were was there a connection between the two in in uh, you know cognition did did your art inform your your science research you know what sort of relationship was there or was the art totally a uh, a separate uh, activity i would say for the most part it was a separate activity i mean as i say it was an inconsistent activity for me along the way um I don't think I ever considered art as a potential profession at the time when I was getting started, uh, in no small part because that was not considered to be a fruitful direction to go into as a career option uh, with what my parents uh, were familiar in the kind of directions that I, I was going in. Uh, I originally started being a math major. It became a biology major, and that's the direction that I continued. Um, artistic work, like teaching, which I've done a little bit of, differs from discovery research science in that the gratification that you get is pretty immediate. Either what you did works and looks good, or it doesn't. In discovery science, you spend a lot of time in the laboratory doing a lot of experiments that need to be repeated and confirmed and extended, and everything is much more delayed in, in gratification. If there is gratification at the end, sometimes there's lack of success and then you go on trying more. Uh, there's quite a bit of frustration in the day-to-day -day activity, and then there's occasional exhilaration when something works well. Mm -hmm. So they are two different experiences. And uh, like I say, I, I, I could have considered pursuing an artistic direction from the beginning, but I never thought about it seriously at that time. Well, one of the skills that seems to me that would equate to both, both research and art, is, is the power of observation. Uh, is, do you see a, a connection there? I mean, it would seem to me in, in research, there, you know, 
you're you're having to observe the results of experimentation. And in art, I mean, I, I know some your portraiture. Uh, I believe you take it from photographs of individuals as opposed to having models sitting. Is that correct? For the most part, uh, I do use some iPhone snapshots as the okay. starting point. Uh, but I've done portraiture over the years also from live models, in particular myself. Mm -hmm. I've done a number of self-portraits and a few others. Uh, but lately I've been working from uh, snapshots mostly, or at least it's the starting point. Um, what you say about observation is true. Uh, it's a different. It's a different aspects uh, crop up in science and in art. In art, you have to be very focused in the construction of the image, in the depiction, in the design. Um, in science, you have to be very attentive to details and be very meticulous in what you do. Uh, a hallmark of any result that you obtain in science is that somebody else has to be able to repeat it and confirm what you did precisely. Um, for me, the artistic activity has been in many ways a contrast to what scientific day-to-day -day work requires in that it's had a more of an inspirational element. Uh, I get excited, I get inspired, I go into a period of activity in the past that has waned after a while and like I say I dropped it for a while I hope this time it won't um, so that's that's the difference there um, the other point that pertains to that uh, my wife and I have talked about this a number of times my wife by the way Connie Simon is an artist herself mm -hmm. And she teaches at Delaware College of Art and Design. Uh, way back from the beginning of our acquaintance, we have discussed the similarities and differences between the scientific world and the artistic world. Um, in art, if you do something, you do it for yourself primarily, and you hope that others will appreciate it. If you don't do something in art, nobody else is going to do that. It's your product or it isn't. In science, it's kind of the opposite. What you do, the, a lot of the emphasis is more on being first because there's hordes of scientists, especially if you're working in something that's quite current, that are pursuing the same directions, the same objectives, the same goals. And if you don't do it, somebody certainly will do it within a short period of time. So there isn't quite the uniqueness uh, and the personality to the, in the uh, product of scientific research the way there is in art. Um, so that's, that's a pretty 
notable noticeable difference. Yeah, that, that, that's really fascinating to th- to think about it that way. Um, I, I want to continue with this, but first remind our listeners that you're tuned into Delaware State of the Arts here on News Radio 1450 WILM and 1410 WDOV. Our guest in the studio today is Paul Simon, retired discovery research scientist in biopharmaceuticals, but also now a volunteer at the Jewish Family Services and uh, an accomplished artist uh, with exhibits coming up at the Blue Street Gallery and Temple Beth Emmeth, uh, Blue Street Gallery at 1721 Delaware Avenue in Wilmington and Temple Beth Emmeth at 300 West Lee Boulevard. I believe, uh, Paul, the exhibit at Blue Street Gallery is running from November 1st to December 31st. That's correct. And at Temple Beth Emmeth uh, in the entrance gallery uh, from November 1st through November 30th. So That's basically, basically the month of November. I'm looking at a couple of the the portraiture images here. Absolutely beautiful, uh, beautiful work. Uh, I'm curious. Let's focus on that for a little bit. Uh, In your volunteer work at Jewish Family Services, this is where you got the the the, these are the people that that are being represented in this this portrait. Although uh, not exclusively, I've done other portraits also. For example, the the woman that cuts my hair and the person that owns the barber shop where that gets done are also two portraits not in the current shows. I have some portraits of relatives and acquaintances and even some dogs. Now, I, I, I'm curious, how do you select uh, who you're going to do portraits of? Do you, it, do you see someone say, oh, I have to do a portrait of them? There's a lot of that. Um, some of it is the knowledge and acquaintance of the people that stimulates the interest. And some of it is just the physical appearance. And one of the things about older people is they have a lot of features in their face. Hmm. faces. They have a lot of wrinkles and a lot of age visible, a lot of experience. And bringing that out and capturing it is particularly satisfying. Um, yeah. Now, I, I'm curious, uh, you mentioned that you, you have, da- through the years, have dabbled in different art forms. Did you ever dabble in photography? Um, I've done some photography, very amateurish. I've taken classes in sculpture. I've done different media in art over the years. Um, sort of hit or miss. I would have some time and I'd sign up for a class and then follow it for a while. Like I said, I've always had some ability and not a whole lot of discipline mm-hmm. uh, and stick to itiveness. <laughs> and now it's perhaps a different phase in life, and I actually welcome it quite a bit. Yeah. Now, as, as a portrait artist, um, could you speak to what the portrait artist is able to do with the portrait that the photographer might not be able to capture? I mean, what addition, what, yeah, what can you do as a portrait artist? Well, that's a good question. Um, Like I say, I start with a photograph. In a sense, I don't pay very much attention to to that first step in that I don't have fancy equipment and poses and production of the subject. Um, it's just a starting point and then all the activity and I think the interesting result comes in the rendering in the composition 
in the design, in the color scheme. Um, I in particular like to fill the frame with a face. So there's not very much emphasis on the background or the location of where it took place. Working within the rectangle of the frame is, is a very powerful device. It seems like a simple thing, but I notice, for example, when I do a portrait that's a small part of the frame, that I don't relate to it as well. I'm not that interested in what's around it. And in fact, the resulting portrait itself, I think, is not quite as interesting as when I really fill the frame with it. To me, it has a lot more personality. It has a lot more proximity. It has a lot more intensity. It has a lot more emotional content. It may not be as pretty. That comes down to the style that I pursue. Um, the method that I use for the portraits is pastel, soft pastels on textured paper, usually black paper. The fact that the paper is black or other dark colors shows in the final product. It has, you can see through the pastel work, the, um, the, the color of the background to some extent. It gives it a modeled appearance. It gives it its own texture, visual texture. Um, interestingly enough, well, before I get to that, um, the actual rendering of likeness of the subject in the picture is something that's unique to portraiture. If you make a picture of a bowl of fruit or a landscape or whatever um, and it doesn't look recognizably like the like the very bowl of fruit or like the very landscape it's not going to matter very much if you make make a picture of a person of a person's face up close and there is even a slight deviation from the natural likeness of that person, it's quite noticeable. And it matters quite a bit to the subjects. <laughs> it doesn't matter that much to me. Mm-hmm. Like I say, it's a starting point. The photograph is a starting point for the painting. The painting is a starting point for the product with its own characteristics. So I can mention that a number of the people who have seen their own portraits generally don't like them very much because I don't aim for a particularly flattering approach. In fact, even when I take the photograph, which is the beginning of the process of organizing the work, um, I pretty much insist that the people not smile and not pose I like the candidness and naturalness that can come through, and sometimes I take somewhat unusual angles of perspective of the face, not necessarily frontal, um, just to make the appearance almost incidental. But it's been interesting seeing people's reaction to their own picture. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It looks different than what they're used to seeing in the mirror, 
and it most certainly looks different from how they think of themselves. We all think of ourselves as a lot younger and smoother and, right. <laughs> and uh, prettier than the mirror will let us see that. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious, you mentioned the word personality earlier. Uh, we've got a couple minutes left. I, I, I'm curious, how does the subject's personality inform your portrait? Or doesn't it? Is there no connection there? I would say there is quite a connection. I'm not quite sure I can explain it. Mm -hmm. It's a subtle contextual um, result that either captures the expression and captures the personality behind the expression. Mm -hmm. I guess I'm. It's a circular definition. Yeah. Um, it's one of those things like they say about pornography you know it when you see it <laughs> uh, uh -huh. and you also notice it when it's not there or when it differs from your expectations especially mm -hmm. for the subject mm -hmm. do, you, do you find uh, in your subjects when they're, they're sort of taken aback that it's more it's less about how they look in the picture than, than sort of what is communicated through the portrait? That's kind of an obtuse question. But. Well, no. Yes, the answer is yes. They first notice the slightest deviation from their own self-image physically. And they'll say, well, I don't even recognize myself or doesn't, that doesn't look like me. Mm -hmm. Subsequently, or next, they see that it's not very pretty necessarily. Mm -hmm. um, and that may take them aback or it may draw them in to observe it more carefully. Mm -hmm. uh, then there are the details, like the dark paper showing through uh, the, the pigment, which may make it look sometimes uh, somber, sometimes maybe even sickly. Um, mm -hmm. So there's different levels of relating to the picture, to the image which is actually fine with me, mm -hmm. uh, having a, a picture that lasts for a while until you've explored all aspects of it and gone into deeper levels of it. And with that, I'm afraid I have to cut you off. I'm so sorry we're out of time, but I invite our listeners to check out your beautiful work at the Blue Street Gallery, November 1 through December 31st, or Temple Beth Emmeth on Lee Boulevard uh, between November 1st and November 30th. Paul Simon, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you.